I open this morning with these words, just a very brief reflection from local dancer and activist Liz Lerman. They were brought to my attention by West member Mari Breen Rothman, and they were written just in the last day. Sitting with my wonderful daughter as the Hanukkah candles, evidence-based reminders that we are close to the winter solstice, burn slowly down. I am reminded that she was once a fetus and is now making a film about a transgender child, striking me as such a vulnerable act in this age where understanding of the true meaning of diversity requires us to challenge entitlements everywhere. I look forward to a new year in which science-based activities force us to test our capacities to demand, sustain, and enact our First Amendment freedoms. And now I invite you to join in our opening song this morning as we are led by the DC Labor Chorus.
Well, good morning. Welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I am Amanda Poppy, the clergy leader here. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I am so glad that you are with us this morning, whether you are in the room or joining us on Facebook. Visitors and guests, we hope that you got a blue name tag so that we know who you are and we can particularly welcome you and answer any questions that you might have. We enjoy talking about why this community is so important to us, and we would love to hear from you about what you are looking for. We hope you'll join us after the platform for coffee and cookies in the lobby and in the social hall. And we hope that you'll consider sharing your email with us on that gold-colored sheet in your program so that we can add you to our mailing list. You'll have an opportunity to drop that in the collection basket when it passes later in our platform service. I want to remind you to please silence any electronic devices you have with you this morning so that you can be fully present with us. Although, while you have them out, you are welcome to check in on social media and let your friends and family know you're here. And now, I'd like to invite Elise Gould to come forward and read our statement of purpose. Elise and all three of her children were involved in Winter Festival as actors this year. We celebrated our annual Winter Festival last Sunday to great acclaim and a full house at both, uh, at both performances, both celebrations. So I just want to thank Elise and all of those who helped to create that beautiful day. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. <clears throat> we nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. And we invite you, to, invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Elise, thank you. As Elise lights our candle, I invite you to join in our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Each week we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. And this week I hold especially in my heart all those who are or who love victims of gun violence, both those affected by and lost in some of the mass shootings that were recently memorialized this past week, and also those who are affected by daily violence in our neighborhoods and in our homes and most intimate spheres across this city, around this region, and across the country. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us.
Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. I invite you now to settle yet more deeply into a time of meditation. Perhaps you might like to put your feet on the ground if that's comfortable. Close your eyes if you would like or focus your gaze on the floor in front of you. Take a deep breath in and let it out. Try another one in and out. Allow your breathing to remain deep but natural, following the rhythm of your own body, your own breath. As you breathe, call to mind one you hold dear one whom it is easy for you to love. Hold that person in your awareness and say in your mind and heart, may you be well, may you be at peace. Shift your attention now to someone you know, but not well, an acquaintance, a neighbor or coworker, someone about whom you hold neutral feelings. Hold that person in your awareness and again in your heart say, may you be well, may you be at peace. And finally, shift your awareness to someone whom you find it hard to love, to understand, to be with. Someone with whom your relationship is challenged, whether it is someone known intimately to you or perhaps a national figure. With that person in your awareness, say again in your heart, may you be well, may you be at peace.
holding all this in our minds and hearts, we go into a time of silence and then music. labor chorus who can both get us ready to rise and work and also bring us into a space of centeredness. 
Well, it is my great pleasure this morning to welcome Chioma Iwoha to our platform this morning. I have been hearing about Chioma and her work for quite some time, and I'm just delighted that it came together that she's able to be with us this morning. Chioma is a native Washingtonian who started community organizing at 15 years old. Um, so now all of us feel like we are sort of wasting our lives, except those of you younger than 15 who can still achieve this. When she launched her community organizing career by joining Determined Teens Take a Stand, a youth-led group heavily devoted to discussing major issues affecting black youth in the community. She went on to Lafayette College in Easton, Pennsylvania, where she double majored in Africana Studies and Anthropology, but no surprise, was also a leader on campus in justice issues, elected as the vice chair of NIA, a multicultural women's support group, and the cultural co-chair for the Association of Black Collegians. After she finished at Lafayette with her bachelor's, she came back to DC, assisted with developing Empower DC's youth organizing campaign, and Chioma now works as the Director of Alumni Re Relations at the Field School, where she fundraises for financial aid. She is also the co-founder of Melanin Uprising Youth Activist Collective, a youth-led collective of the Movement for Black Lives in DC, which is on a mission to create a safe, positive healing space for black youth. In doing so, they hope to inspire a generation of strong, resilient, self-actualized leaders who advocate on behalf of themselves and their peers. You can see why I was excited to have her reply yes to come and speak for us this morning. Chioma, thank you so much for being with us. Won't you come celebrate with me what I have shaped into a kind of life? I had no model. Born in Babylon, both non-right and woman, what did I see to be except myself? I made it up. Here on this bridge between starshine and clay, my one hand holding tight my other hand, Come celebrate with me that every day something has tried to kill me and has failed. The reason I chose um, Lucille Clifton's poem on uh, hope and resilience is because um, she talks about this beautiful life that she's created, right, without a model and being a consistent target of society, whether it's white supremacy, patriarchy, capitalism. Um, and oftentimes, what black women hope for in their lives um, are to make their communities whole, right? And to live a self-fulfilled, self-actualized life. I mean, she says, every day something has tried to kill me and has failed. How do you have dreams? How do you create a fulfilled life if you're a consistent target? And what she tells us is that it's possible. So the reason I chose the title, Getting Down and Dirty for Hope, um, is that I believe that sometimes it's not enough just to hope for things 
and um, let them go. And I think that's the common theme. And, and, and sometimes it's not bad to just to let, you know, just to put it out in the atmosphere and, ha and hope that it comes to you. Um, but oftentimes, and especially for, um, within my experience, as a black woman, um, as a young black woman, a lot of the things that I hoped for, I had to fight for um, and to receive the blessing. So what is hope, right? Hope is expecting the universe to bring forth what you want in your life. It can be something granular like world peace, black liberation, um, ending all wars, whatever it is for you, um, and I'm sure you reflect on it here at West. Um, or it could be something personal, like deepening relationships with folks that you might see on social media and don't necessarily get to talk to on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, or buying your first home, getting a promotion, or um, finding time to move forward with this idea you've been sitting on. Um, whatever it is that you hope for to come true and bring the blessings that you envision, for me, I've always had a process, right? And I wanted to share that process with you, that I make a choice. I, just, I decide that this is what I want to do. I believe in that decision. I have faith in it. I trust it. Um, I envision it. I plan the vision and then hope for it to grow. When I graduated college, I was kind of like lost in the world. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And um, I spent six months trying to decide, you know, while I was in school before I graduated, what it is that I was gonna do, right? Um, and I, I really, I just didn't um, And for all of us who've been, I think a lot of us have been in that space before. Um, but eventually I got a job and everything was a battle, right? I didn't necessarily agree with the way that we were testing our students. Um, I, our, the organization that I worked for was, would praise like the chancellor, but um, at the time she was firing all these black teachers and I saw it from the back end, having relationships with, with black teachers who had, you know, essentially raised me and them losing um, their jobs. And I didn't understand um, why I was kind of the first person to be a part of this program that was in a program that was hired. So I, had, I was very resistant. I was coming out with this fire out of college and everything was like, I had to like tackle. And eventually what happened was I was fired. <laughs> and it really like forced me to really sit with why I didn't enjoy what I was doing and to figure out what I really wanted to do. And um, it was becoming increasingly hard for me to find a job that I wanted to take on to change the world. You know, that was my thing. At 15 years old, I was in the community. I was doing things that like move my spirit. Um, and I wanted to like continue in this trajectory of like all the things that I had been doing before. So I began to hope for a sign to move forward in my life in a meaningful way. And I was extremely worried that I would be doing nothing for the rest of my life. <laughs> 
So then one day it, it happened. I was sitting in the back room of my mom's house, up watching Democracy Now!, and Ben Jealous was on there, and um, he was talking about Troy Davis, um, an innocent man who was going to be executed for a crime that he didn't commit. Um, and it was my first time hearing about it, and he was supposed to be executed that day. Um, and as I was watching there, watching you know Ben Jealous talk and Amy Goodman and all of his lawyers tell his story, I really felt compelled to just get up and do something. And about 15 minutes after the segment ended, um, I saw a picture of Howard students marching to the White House, and I decided that I was just going to go. That I was going to get up and go. So I kind of sprint out the house. You know, it really didn't take much for me to kind of be like, let's do this. Um, and on my way to the metro, about two blocks down the street, um, I don't know if anybody or anybody's familiar with Lincoln Westmoreland um, and the Shaw neighborhood, but there were a group of kids like sitting outside. Um, and I walk up on them on my way to the metro, and I start telling them the story about Troy Davis. And I'm like, Troy, like we have to do this. This is his story. Let's go. And they go with me. <laughs> which is crazy, like they didn't know me, but they trusted me and they believed, they felt my energy and they were like, she really cares about this and he's gonna be executed today, we have to do something. Um, so we get off, we go to get on the Metro, we start sharing our stories with one another, we get off, we get to the White House and people are already being arrested. And they had never seen this before and they were like, I'm scared, I don't wanna go over there. And I said, okay, it's fine, you know, we can, just hang out right here. So we hung out by the White House and eventually they became comfortable and we go a little bit closer. Um, we start marching in a circle because if anybody's been to a protest, sometimes they tell you that you can't stand still. And we have been out there for like a couple of hours now. And then someone says, well, let's march to the Supreme Court. So we all march to the Supreme Court. And after hours of like marching in a circle, getting and building with different organizers, um, lawyers, everyday people who were out there, um, we decided, because it was like around 9 or 10, we decided that we were going to go home. And by the time that I walked in the house, um, I learned that Troy Davis had been executed. And I was sad, I was angry, but instead of staying in that, I decided that I wasn't going to be hopeless and I was going to ask God um, or ask God, like, why, I, why would I want it hadn't been, like, what I deeply desired hadn't been granted. I decided to ask myself and make a choice, am I in or am I out, right? There was this meeting that was happening the next day that I could have easily not gone to um, and continued doing whatever it is that I wanted, but I felt called to, like, do something. So I went to this meeting and um, DC Troy Davis was born. It was a group of, co of organizers um, from different groups, you know, um, black nationalists and um, socialists. All these different personalities who represented different thoughts were in a room together. And we decided that we were gonna do monthly political education workshops. Um, and about a few months later, Occupy DC happened, right? So it was another 
way for me to build on what I was already doing and talk about the criminal injustice um, system. Within a few weeks, another group had formed at Occupy and I was able to collect information on folks who were interested in this. I sent out emails and about like 30 to 40 people showed up. And collectively we decided that we were gonna protest Wells Fargo because they were investing in um, CCA. So I say all of this, right? Um, just to say that, you know, these groups today do not currently exist. That a lot of people that were in these groups are doing different things towards the same goal, right? And the reality is that the things that you hope for may not come true, but, um, and it can be extremely devastating, but you are, as long as you're moving towards your ultimate goal in life, which my goal is to just be a force, right? To do good in the world. And it's, it's fairly simple. I chose getting down and dirty for hope because the things that you hope for may not always happen, right? But you have to be ready for it, what you call to bring forth into your life. Um, I couldn't just hope for a job, right? Um, I couldn't just pray to get something that works for me and have somebody else put it in my hands. Um, I had to fight for what it is that I wanted in my life and get ready for it. So I had to make a choice, right? Am I in or am I out? That's what I asked myself. I had to believe in it and I did, I truly did. I w if I didn't believe in it, I wouldn't have gone up and gone to the meeting the next day. I had to envision it. I had to see it, feel it, smell it. Um, and I wasn't a visioner then, but I definitely saw myself. I didn't meditate on it like I would now, but I saw myself in that moment. So Occupy DC, DC Troy Davis, my two years with um, Black Lives DC has prepared me for the dreams that I'm manifesting now. And my hard work is preparing me for the next level in my journey. Um, I'm currently the co-founder of Melanin Uprising. I've always wanted to work with youth. Um, and I had been working with my peers through Determined Teens um, Take a Stand and I felt like there was a gap missing, right? But I wasn't necessarily prepared for it when I first envisioned it for myself. Um, but being a part of groups like DC Troy Davis, getting to know who was doing what in which field, um, being at Occupy DC and learning about different um, campaigns and movements that were happening in the city prepared me to be able to um, to connect with youth and communicate and bring them in circles where things were happening and people were moving forward and they were able to like educate themselves and others on what it is they saw um, that would better their lives here in the district. Um, and Wes, you guys are already, you know, the Washington Ethical Society, you guys are already on top of everything, right? Like. <laughs> I mean, you're doing the work, you're doing, I mean, there's a lot of people hope and dream for a lot of things, but don't actively 
do what it takes in order for those dreams to come true. So when we're, um, you know, calling or talking about, like, immigrants, right, and um, the gun control or whatever these issues are, we aren't just saying that we hope things get better, that we're trying to figure out what it is that we're doing in order to, like, alleviate some of the pressure and the pain that we're feeling as a society because, you know, things are hard right now. Um, and so with all that being said, that I just, I wanted, I really chose, I chose this topic because, you know, I wanted to, us to envision and meditate on what does it look like when, if what you wanted were to happen today, right? Would you be ready for it? So I, I, I leave you all with that, um, that everything that you hope for, that chase with vigor and um, have a group of people who are going to support you and don't look at things um, that didn't come the way you envisioned uh, as a failure, but as an opportunity to, to build on it. When I was younger, I used to want a Cadillac, right? When I was 16, I used to hope for that. And at 29, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with my beat up Toyota Prius. <laughs> Like, because I only have to put $20, I can put $20 in it, and it'll last me a week, you know? And that's the reality. That's part of my growth is that it's going to change. It's going to manifest in different ways, but we have to prepare for it. We have to, we have to envision it. We have to make it happen and do what we can. So thank you for having me. I appreciate you.
like clapping a lot today.